Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week, we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. This episode is part of the DAO mini-series where I talk with Aaron Dignan and Rodney Evans from the Brave New Work podcast about what DAOs can learn from self-managing orgs, and we do it all in bite-sized episodes so they're short, sweet, and to the point. Before we hop into the show, I want to give a quick thank you to the sponsors who made this episode possible. On this show, we talk all about the human side of Web3 and the philosophy of Web3, but when you're ready to get your hands dirty, Rabbit Hole is the place to go. Rabbit Hole curates all of the wildness of Web3 into one simple place where users can go to be directed towards positive sum protocols and build their skill set as they do it. In this episode, we talk about DAOs, and Rabbit Hole has an intro to DAOs skill that guides you through all of the basic tools you need to know in order to be a DAO contributor. You can check it out at rabbithole.gg. Thank you, Rabbit Hole, for sponsoring On the Other Side. All right, let's hop into the show. I am so excited to be back with the DAO mini-series, and I've got questions. So the first thing that I really want to dive into today is, I'm not sure that I would call it hiring. I don't know if that's quite the right term, but how you choose who is going to be in an organization. So a little bit of context. We've talked all about, you know, if you want to give people autonomy in self-managing orgs and in DAOs, you can't just give like everyone a pass to be part of the organization right. and have autonomy. So like, right. I love this analogy that Aaron used a while ago in an episode on Brave New Work about how a lot of bosses basically are like driving this big boat and tell everyone to paddle harder when really you need to give everyone speed boats to like be able to go off and do their own things. Mm-hmm. And what stood out to me is like, okay, yes, that totally makes sense. But also you need to make sure you're giving the right people speed boats because not only do you need the right structures, but you also need to make sure that you're being selective about who is a speedboat. Because ultimately, even if everyone is amazing and has the best intentions, if you let everyone have full autonomy, you're going to end up with an absolute mess for a lot of different reasons. Like you could deplete a lot of your resources, having everyone do whatever they think is right for the org. You could also just have people who ultimately don't really have the best amount of context. So all these different reasons. Makes sense. You need to be a little bit more selective about who is actually a contributor and all that stuff. But then I feel like you get into this question of how do you think about hiring in a way that doesn't consolidate power to a small group of people making those decisions? And I know, Rodney, you've thought a lot about this at the hiring circle at the ready. So I'm curious to hear how you guys approach this question. Yeah. So I'm happy to start. And then Aaron, maybe you can start to fill in. And and also I'd be curious to hear about how you're doing this at Murmur because I I truly don't know. So the first thing just to answer the specific question that you asked, Chase, is I think the way that you get participation without diffusing the filtering or the criteria or the utility of having a process is by getting consent to what the process is. And then letting a smaller handful of people execute whatever that hiring system or process or filtering is. So like we still want consent from 
other circles or representation of other pods or even a broad system around you know, perhaps the skills that we're hiring for, perhaps the approach that we're using, perhaps the roles that we're carving out and how we're paying ourselves. But then basically we're just like, we're getting enough consent to have the authority that then we need as the hiring folks to really run. So like, just to, to go to like the, the centralization versus decentralization part of it, that's how I think of that bit. So I'll pause there to see if Aaron has anything you want to jam on. And then I'm excited to talk about like, you know, within that, what we're looking for and how we figure that out. Yeah. What, what that makes me think of Rodney, I guess, is we have a, we don't have a permissionless layer at the ready, right? Like you, we, we, and essentially if you're, if you're either like following along with us or you're in the tent somehow, totally. But I think even if you did, there's that circle of participation and what that group or what that role type is authorized to do and and the nature of that autonomy and those decision rights, et cetera. And I think you can make that as big or small a tent as you want to. But then on the next tier in where there is some, some layer of filtering, what I do like about the system that you and the hiring circle devised is that we have a hiring circle who has an approach and a set of filters that was consented to. They're, they're screening people as they come in and creating this pool. And then the pool is drawn from by different teams and circles in the organization on a very like autonomous and freeform basis. And so that feels like another layer of, of actually quite a bit of freedom and openness and emergence where it's not like the hiring circle is just ramming people into positions in, in the system. Yeah. That's not the case at all. They're creating this like ring, you know, this playpen where it's like, hey, these are all people that meet the criteria to be here and be trusted with the level of autonomy we give because it's a lot. And now the system is going to have to use its own judgment to like draw on that pool. So I, I do feel like it's a little bit of a best of both worlds approach, although it has its challenges. Yeah. So, yeah. Chase, tell us how that lands and how that relates to what you're seeing. I haven't seen anyone using that pool mechanism, but it's interesting because it feels like that's part of the layer that we need Mm. to have a system that can actually draw on these like market type forces that we've talked about in the past. Yeah. Where you identify need, you have the ability to basically say, hey, I need talent for X, Y, and Z. Now I'm going to look at a of participants and and choose people who might make sense in this like supply and demand way as opposed Mm -hmm. to what I think happens today, which is basically like one of two things happens. One, we identify a need and then put that need out there. And basically the first person to do that thing gets the job, you know? Okay. Um, Or you have a system where a certain type of work emerges And whoever helped surface that work and steward it tends to be the one who leads it. There are a few edge cases where you have this more competitive angle where let's say you need someone to make a video for something. You have everyone make a video and then you choose the best video, though I don't think that's a good strategy either because it's like (laughs) a lot of everyone's doing the work. Yeah. And it's I don't think that's super sustainable. And so it feels like what's missing is this layer of trusted people Mm -hmm. who aren't always needed, but who can be drawed upon basically. I don't know if drawed is a word, but 
we can basically draw upon <laughs> that that pool when we need those people. And I, I guess a quick follow up question is what happens when someone gets pulled into a project like there is demand for someone to have a certain role and then that person gets pulled from the pool and then that project is over? Do they just sort of go back into the pool? So not for the ready, but in life, that absolutely could be the case. So because we are W-2 employees at the ready um, in the U.S., when someone is, so, so generally speaking, they get through the hiring process, they're in the candidate pool. A really important thing if you decide to do this is to be very, very clear with people up front that they're not being screened and interviewed for an immediate and open role. And, you know, we learned the hard way to like really be clear about what sort of average time swimming in the pool might look like, how many projects you might interview on before you were pulled out of the pool onto one, like, because otherwise people just get frustrated and they're like, I went through an interview process so that I could like sit around for six fucking months. What's going on? So I would just say like, be clear about that, not on a one-on-one basis, but again, like at a system level, whatever you're publishing or writing down or putting out, just be very clear about what the function of the pool is because people misinterpret it all the time. But for us, if you get pulled out of the pool and you go onto a project, the assumption is when your project ends, you're probably going on to another project at the ready if things worked out on your first project. So we do have this prologue membership that's meant to be a two-way dating period with like more feedback and more check-ins to make sure that it's really a match. But the assumption is that if it's all going well, you're going somewhere else. That being said, I could very easily see a situation where a pool is an enabler for more dynamic teaming that is about like come on board, like movie studio model, come on board, do this thing with the clear expectation that when this mission is accomplished, you will go back to the pool and we'll call you when we need you. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it feels like that would be such a better approach for DAOs because there are definitely some roles within almost every DAO I've seen that you want consistency you know right. someone is going to be full-time. But there are other types of roles where I wish we were more fluid and dynamic about saying, hey, right now we need you for this project, and then kind of normalized going back into this pool. And there's something really interesting about having a pool as opposed to just saying, I'm not doing work with this DAO anymore because yeah. it's this like location. I love this idea of swimming in the pool that you go back to, to acknowledge, Hey, I'm now open for different types of work as opposed to saying I'm done with this org in the same way that like, you know, it's not really getting laid off from a project because. Right. Right. But that's what it feels like today. I think if there are, if there are more expectations around like, better reputation management and credentialing and and really bringing identity around and people acknowledge that they're just participating in multiple spaces right now. I mean, I don't know hardly anyone that's working in only one DAO. Then it should be much more normalized to say like, yeah, I'm going to hop into something that's more intense, maybe hop into something that's less intense, and then maybe take a break from that thing for a minute until my skills are needed. As a specialist, that's sort of what I would expect is to have this kind of fits and starts relationship with different entities over time as they ebb and flow. And then maybe if something does really scale, there's there are permanent opportunities or roles that are more long lasting, but that's not the expectation of everyone coming through the filter. I am curious, though, I know that, that DAOs and, and Web3 projects in general have played with 
electing delegates to vote on their behalf. But what about elections for roles in general? Have you seen that happen? Like choosing people to fulfill certain roles within... Yeah, uh, like who's going to who's gonna be the video producer and then an election happens to actually decide? Or is it some other method of filling the role that you've seen as more normal or more common? I've seen working groups, circles, whatever you want to call them, choose leads mm-hmm. for their group. I haven't seen other roles. We're experimenting with this at Orca right now where we have more generic roles. We have like pod lead, facilitator, delegate, because we're trying to do double linking and all that stuff. I will say it's been kind of challenging because, and we probably actually need to address some like org design issues that this is bringing up, but sometimes there just aren't enough people to take on these roles. Or maybe we're just trying to force a group into roles that don't quite fit. But we're definitely experimenting with that using consent-based models. But I definitely haven't seen it as much. And I actually think one of the main reasons, and Rodney, I'm curious if this gets at the second point you're going to make, is that right now we don't really have super clearly defined roles within these groups. And I think it's partially because we avoid structure because we think that that's how you get emergence, which of course we've talked lots about is not how things happen. Nonsense. But (laughs) I think that's what we do. And then I think the second thing is just a lot of DAOs don't really know how important roles actually are. And maybe that's what we do a whole other episode on. But I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean... Again, like I think no role clarity is just like soup on the floor, as we've talked about before. And one of the, you know, one of the big like third way unlocks that I think we have found our way to is it is neither unwritten or implied or just like hire your friends or hire the loudest person, nor is it like static, monolithic, bureaucratic job description. What we're looking for is really lightly documented, but very specific atomized roles. And then from a hiring perspective, for real, real, what are the skills that it takes to do those roles? And orienting, hiring, and filtering around skills is one of the biggest unlocks to increasing diversity and equity and inclusion. Because what we find is when we hire based on experience, we are hiring people who historically have access to better experience. When we hire based on skills, you are opening the pool to a much broader and more talented pool of people who didn't necessarily get, you know, the 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 nepotistic internship or the first job right out of school that was like their dad's friend or whatever, you're opening the pool to truly whoever has the best skills for that role. And so without without defining what the role is, you can't really do that work. But it's also a lot harder, like really thinking about what is it, what is the skill you need to be a podcast host versus you know, what does it mean to like be a thought leader in the world? You know, like it's you have to get very specific and very clear. But I think the work of getting to that clarity with a smaller group of people is really like worth its weight in gold. Because when everybody really gets at what's essential and gets excited about that and starts testing that, you just get good at it. Because then you're like holding the results of the humans that you hire against something real and being like, okay, now that we've hired five people, 
we've realized that there is a very significant skill missing, which is something that happened to us. And now we have a way to like dial that or pull a lever. <laughs> so when I, when I think about this idea of pulling in very specific skills that are needed for a role with the presence mm-hmm. of a pool, I'm curious what the pool is actually checking for. Is it culture fit? And then you happen to have a wide variety of skills within that pool that you can now pull those specific people that have those skills that you need for a specific project and roles in. Are you checking for skills in the beginning and then sort of see how good of a fit it is in the work? How does that work? So I'm going to tell you how it works at the ready, and then I'm going to tell you how I think it should work for you. For us, by and large, we are hiring the same for the same role that has the same six underlying skills. So in like the in the equalizer of that, like maybe I'm stronger on facilitation and I'm less strong on consulting than someone else. But like I checked the box on the five or six skills that I needed to have to be in that pool. The way that I would think about this is each role that you clarify, so if it's the video editor role, has the attendant skills related to it. And in your pool, you have someone tagged by role that they could fill. And potentially, if you need something that's more dynamic, by specified skill, if it's like, well, we're not hiring for the video editor role, but three of the five of those skills are the same as we would need for this other like digital content role. So So I think what your pool should look like probably is clarified skills that were only clarified as they related to a specific role, ideally candidates tagged against the role that they were considered for. And then the skills are like a subway to search to say, okay, should we go back to the well, the well in this case being the pool for the the candidates that we had for the video role, because we think that some of them might have the same skills that we have now defined for this other role. So role first, skills for that role, and, and those are the first two filters. And then I would tag people accordingly and then steer dynamically into other roles from there. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm also curious, because I know we want to keep these short, but I want to cover this <laughs> as well. Aaron, how have you thought about this type of thing at Murmur? Because Rodney, what you described is really interesting partially because of the nature of what the ready does. Right. I would imagine like that is is a very specific process, whereas with something like a startup that's really early, I would guess that you have a wider variety of skills and roles with fewer common denominators basically, but maybe that's wrong. No, I think that's absolutely right. And actually what Rodney was just describing is not that dissimilar from the way we're having to solve the problem on the Murmur side, because we we have extremely specialized roles that we think of as kind of like your base role. Like people do a lot of other stuff at Murmur and there's a lot of freedom to, you know, think about your role in a very expansive way or have a, a role mix just like at the ready. But there's way less commonality. Like there isn't one bedrock role that makes the place run. There's a lot that there are people that are thinking about customer success and customer service and product and marketing and sales and engineering and design and UX and accessibility. And each of those things is really, you know, an angle. So I think we have a hiring strategy agreement that we can put in the show notes that is about 
coherence with what we're prioritizing. And it's actually just a series of five even over statements. And so that is that is essentially a prioritization of what we're looking for right now. But none of that has to do with specialized skills. And then once we feel like someone has checked those boxes, then the rest of the process is about applied skill, not about experience, but about, you know, playing together and, and doing a lot of the same stuff that might happen in a ready process, but with specific specific versions of that. So like in engineering or in design, we have a, a jam session. We call it a candy jam, candidate jam, where we spend two hours together working on a real problem in the business with the whole team or as much of the team as we can get there. And they just are a member of the team in that role for that duration. And we just, at the end, basically do a big reflection and retro together in both directions of like, how did that feel? What did we notice? What stood out? What was the, how was the energy? Did everyone leave with more energy than they came with or less, et cetera? So it does seem to be more in line with the with what might need to happen in a in a DAO context, and I think these even overstatements will change as we as we grow. Um, they're really suited to what we want to prioritize as a very small, like pre product market fit or quasi product market fit company. Yeah, how interesting! I feel like this is a good place to wrap up, and I really want to dive in on the next episode to roles. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.